What does it take to make workshops work? And how can we facilitate collaboration that sticks and leads to results? My name is Miriam Hatnas, and with the Workshops Work podcast, I'm on the mission to find the magic ingredients that make workshops work. Today with me on the show is Anna momba Hairs, and we speak about facilitation acting and what we can learn from acting about facilitation. So stay tuned. And by the way, if you don't have pen and paper at hand to take your own notes, scroll down to the show notes to download my free one-page summary. And now, lean back to be inspired. Anna, welcome to the show. It's so good to be here. <laughs> Thank you. And we are diving into acting and what we can learn from acting about facilitation. Mm -hmm. I am intrigued. <laughs> And before we're getting there, I always start with the same question. When did you start calling yourself a facilitator? And I don't doubt that you do. <laughs> I do more and more, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, yeah, to be honest, in between, I'm doubting. Because in between, I'm, I, get, I get asked so much to do trainings that I'm... Sometimes there are weeks, there had been weeks in the last year, last summer when I thought maybe I'm not. But I started thinking about being a facilitator, I think, when I was looking for <laughs> other techniques and ideas of transforming groups or delivering skills. And I was coming across the IAF. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I was really interested and in then diving in all the articles and getting to know a few things. And yeah, that way it started. Mm. I, I don't know when that was. It was before the pandemic. And where would you see the difference between a facilitator and a trainer? That's a great border, mm -hmm. <laughs> of course. But I see it there when somebody really asks me to deliver something that asked me to him to, to train the group or a group in a specific way or you know if, if everything and for me too if it if i too concrete know what i'm going to do then it starts to become a training from in my feeling <laughs> mm. and if it's sense? more improvised if it's more improvised if the outcome is more open then it's facilitation yeah. Yeah, even though if, even if if this if they ask for this, for the same things like uh, help us being more present in our communication or something like mm -hmm. that, even then sometimes they really want this and that and that and that and their employees to be able to this and that and that and that after, <laughs> mm -hmm. and sometimes they just ask for support and then things can be more open and I can go with with what the group needs or the person. Yeah, in front of me needs. So what I hear is the training is you come in as a subject matter expert to bridge a knowledge gap and facilitation, you're there to more to enable the group so that they bridge the knowledge gap themselves. Exactly. <laughs> and mm. of course, then still I can, I can help building that bridge yeah. with my knowledge and skills, but then I don't know so exactly what they need then. Mm. And then the training, I know quite exactly before already things are quite more clear. Somehow. Nice. 
Yeah, true. Because with facilitation, we know we have a goal or we have a purpose, but the explicit result is unclear because it needs to be, it needs to come out from the group. So it has still to emerge. And I, and I don't know the way to get there. Sometimes yeah. I know, you know, the, I have a feeling for, oh yeah, of course I have a clear goal, but uh, the way there is not so clear. Even yeah. if we pass through all my skills and knowledges, yeah, I don't know how to get there. And it's more facilitation. And something that's the gray round, you know, the, the gray part of the of the border. Yeah. Sometimes I know exactly from where to where they want to come, and then still I don't know how to get there. Yeah. And that is a little more facilitation. And on other occasion, it's more training because they really ask me, please plan concretely. And we want to see the plan before and show us the design. And are you sure this isn't too much time for that? Interesting. And I actually wonder whether then maybe the bridge between facilitation and training is what we call experiential learning. Yeah. So to create an experience for them to learn as opposed to us training them. I love that. Yeah. Exactly. Because then also, if it's an experience, even after half a day, we are pumped with energy because we're in a conversation with each other. We can speak. Sometimes it's a little bit we had creative fun. and embodiment. Yes. Yeah. And, and still they have, yeah, we're not so sure if we got what we asked for. Sure. And for that, it was quite a little. So I think half an hour less would have been good too. <laughs> well, then it wouldn't have been as much fun. And you know, of course, I'm not discussing. So not, yeah, take that, working on it. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And maybe that's also a little German. I'm not so sure. Mm. I just thought it's, I have this feeling more with typical German companies and less with the international ones. Ooh, what is it about? Maybe. Is it because there's no word for facilitation in German? <laughs> and there's just not, no, um, there's no word like that. I'm, I, whenever I try to translate it, I just stick to facilitation in German. Because moderation yeah. would be the translation, but it's not the same. No, it's not fitting the, the, the meaning of it at all. But then there's so many different ways of facilitating and there is no, everyone can call themselves a facilitator. Mm -hmm. It's not a protected title. And it's so important to have those protected titles in Germany. That's, that's really the, 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 the way to say it. There's no protected title. And if there's, it's no protect title, everybody can say it and every can reclaim to be it. So then it's not as good. Then there's no value. No. It's also an actor where, where I'm come from, coming from. Mm -hmm. Actors, there's no protection of the title. You can just call yourself an actor. And I you have to know that. say, of course you can. You can just say, you can just start doing it and then you are one. That's, you know, you don't have mm -hmm. to do a school. There are a lot of actors never been to an acting school at all really and great ones <laughs> mm -hmm. brilliant and great ones and of course there are also brilliant and great ones who went to school and went to different schools and so on and learned a lot of techniques and so yeah. on and somebody who hasn't been to a school maybe learned the techniques techniques somewhere so still the moment you're acting for what kind of reason like being an improv actor on a funny show. You're an actor. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I wonder what, and it's very clear 
everyone can distinguish a good actor from a bad actor. Yeah. And a bad actor will not call themselves actor very long because they won't get win any well, that's gigs. That's a question. That's I would question that. <laughs> okay, maybe if, if, you watch, if you watch private TV in Germany yeah, <laughs> during the day, and not only in Germany. I think that's that's like oh, that all okay. over the world. Okay, and that's not TV. only the, yes. the the reason of uh, the reason for that is not only bad actors. It's also bad stories, and that's that's really yeah. a hard schedule how they produce and so on. There's a lot into it. it's not that you really can say how good or bad an actor is but you can see the acting is probably bad <laughs> oh, <laughs> because of yes. different reasons and yeah mm. you can say that you can say if you believe somebody or not and that is not said by this certificate or something like that it's not by the stamp and it's interesting because i have the imp and that's a beautiful kind of way into our conversation i believe that you can say the same about a facilitator that it's not about what we're doing um, and the activities we are planning, but it's about the way how we're doing it and the authenticity, the presence, the owning the space, owning the stage without owning the stage. I think mm -hmm. that's maybe the big mm -hmm. difference. An actor wants to be in the center of attention and a facilitator owns the stage to hold the space for the group without being at the center of attention. Yeah, that's right. That's a, that's a big difference. And of course, not every actor and every role wants to be the owner of the stage at that at any moment but as a facilitator you of course are holding the room for others so that's yeah. the main goal yeah. point <laughs> it's not really about you still you're standing there and you know a lot about presence and you're knowing and practicing a lot of inspiring things you could do you do that as a facilitator but yeah. there's another purpose then being in the center of everything. Yeah. And one more thing that just pops up in my mind, and then I'm curious to hear from you what you learned from acting about facilitation, is also the mimic and the body language. I realized that especially in online facilitation, it is like being on stage where you have to exaggerate all your facial expression, all your movement. You have to take more space so that the audience gets some of your energy and is pulled in. Mm -hmm. and, right? Yeah, you're right. I think it, it's the same in the room. It's just the, the, the medium is so different. If I'm in the room, there are a lot of things I can do, I can't do with the camera. And in front of the camera, there are a lot of things I can only do with the camera. I would not ever work in a room. But in the end, there's really a lot about me The ones I'm talking to, like now it's only the camera in a, in a big room. And um, if it's the big room, I can do things like, you know, talking with the back to the people and filling the room with my only with my voice. I can do completely different things with the same or with also a big effect. Mm -hmm. so of course, you're right. I have to really get and put energy into this little black point there, the camera, <laughs> if I want to reach them and get them into it, pull them into what we want to talk about. And it's really helpful if you use whatever you have. With, but, you know, it's all focused on this little point. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's different in, on, on, in a room. You know, it's the, 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 the sending point is different. Mm. I can have you in my mind with this camera 
if somebody else is listening or watching, that one would feel the same in the same way meant, even though I'm not thinking of him or her. And that's the magic about the the web conversation. Yeah. You know? It's like one too many. I, I call it the prince effect because it's like being prince on a stage and giving everybody there the feeling, I mean you, only you, nobody else. And this is what you can do in, <laughs> online. This is You can't do the same in a room, of course. And uh, on the other hand, in the room, you can use also the things happening beside what you do. Mm -hmm. And you can initiate things coming from there, make it bigger or going somewhere else. So it's more like a direct to them mm -hmm. for me to talk with my old language. <laughs> so you can basically, if I understand you correctly, also play with perspectives, kind of yeah. literal perspectives by turning their attention, moving in the space. Using the space. Using the space. You Shifting the focus. Yeah, you said you're using the space you're having here digitally, you know, with the camera, knowing exactly what the frame is and, you know, knowing when you get out of the frame and knowing that you really have to give a lot mm -hmm. to, to this little point. And, in the, but in the end, it's, I think, uh, no, it's, it's just different. I, I, I thought maybe it's less energy. You, you need less ener energy to do it, but that's not right. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe it depends on the personality and sensitivity and also on the group. So for instance, I'm, I absorb the energy of the group a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think it's even independent of whether it's online or offline. But I have the impression when I'm online, I shut down and then I can recharge. Whereas when I ah. facilitate in the space, it, it asked me even more energy because I absorbed the lot so much and it's more difficult to just send them into a breakout room and recharge for myself. And I think it's much more difficult to know when to, to handle the energies mm. in this way. It's me with this camera and my imagination of whoever is I'm talking to and mm -hmm. what I'm seeing on the screen and so on. But in a room, I, of course, have to see everything. And by that, I get everything. Also, yeah. any energy going on there. And to handle that it's not really getting into you, that's a training thing, to be honest, I think. And maybe also a talent. Yeah. <laughs> Being more able to, you know, not let... To protect. Things, yeah, to protect yourself of everything or to know what to let in and what not. And as I'm talking about, I think you have to be in training for that. So possibly, possibly I'm not in training anymore with groups, I think. But for that, I love it if, if I just do one and a half hour sessions and then have big breaks mm -hmm. if I'm in groups. Because that's somehow the time I can good, handle it good. And then I need not really recharge, but as in, in no time, you know, a little green and yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes walking somewhere and having nothing in my mind and then I can start again but it's a question yeah. of not really letting everything in yeah and I wonder whether on the one hand I think sometimes we misinterpret the signs online 
So for instance, what does it mean if someone has their camera off? Does mm-hmm. it mean that maybe they don't want to show their background, but they're very engaged? Or is it because they are not engaged and they're um, doing something else? And then it's the story that we are telling ourselves in our heads. And then in the space, people can be, participants can be very disengaged, although they're physically present and still have their video off in air quotes. Yeah. And I wonder whether, I think you sense that as a facilitator, if you're standing there. And I wonder whether you learn to sense that or learn to protect yourself if you're an actor. And I'm thinking of an actor in the theater. Mm-hmm. Imagine you, when you said that it's maybe a training or a talent, I'm thinking of an actor who's playing a role in, in a theater play that just doesn't resonate with the audience. So it has nothing to do with them. It's the play and still they have to struggle with this frustrated energy coming from the audience (laughs) and even if it has to do with you you have to get through that (laughs) even if you then finally understand for the premiere or something this is not working because that happens you still have to get through it's not nice and you probably feel anyway awful after because it's not going to be the big party oh we done it it's more like welded didn't went well and still you have to separate yourself from from that and there are ways like techniques that help can might help you use what happens for example there's one idea i really loved a lot as long as i worked with actors to tell them that the moment when they start to think private while they're acting where they're in their role that's a kind of egoistic movement Like, for example, if you're in your role and you you find out what audience is not reacting, I don't get them. Then you don't say say like, say you're playing Julia, Romeo and Julia, Julia, and the audience is not reacting. Then you are thinking, I'm not getting them. Julia is not thinking, I'm not getting them. It's Anna who's thinking, I'm not getting them. And I was always telling them, this is, kind of egoistic because you are the role in that moment. So whatever happens to you belongs to the role. So then it's Julia having the feeling I'm not getting him or I can't express myself or why don't they understand me, whoever they in front of her are. And by that, you can use everything. What happens, any private idea, what happens to really richen up Mm-hmm. The moment and your character. And I love this idea of if I'm I'm in a role even also as a facilitator, whatever happens is not happening to Anna. It's happening to the facilitator, Anna. And whatever is in my mind, like, well, what is he looking like? Why is he looking outside the window? It's not Anna who's thinking, oh, <laughs> I didn't prepare that well. It's not working. It's Anna, the facilitator, who thinks, ah, I have to get him or I have to find out what's on his mind. And um, that way I'm never starting to, I, I can't, and I really, to be honest, really have to train that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because stuck up with your own story, that's something we do during the whole day. Yeah. So not doing it and, and, and giving it 
to something else, some part of you only, your yeah. role you're having there. Um, that's a training thing, for example, but it works. It's beautiful because it helps us from projecting. Mm -hmm. So us projecting all of our fears and all of our trauma and inner childs and, and family stories on these poor participants who trigger us. And this external perspective on us is yeah. then also bringing some objectivity in. So all the self-talk. And it motivates. That's yeah. the most beautiful thing about it. It's instead of blocking me, like what, mm -hmm. what is going on there? What is going on there? Into what is going on there? <laughs> what is going yeah. on in this mind? Instead of what is going on here? Why can't I handle the situation? What, am I bad prepared or whatever? Yeah. It's more like, ah, what is going on here? <laughs> it's, it's the same from, question, but it's different. <laughs> yeah. It's almost from problem focused to opportunity focused. Yeah. And creating space for curiosity. By switching the role and not making it out about us, but about the role and serving the group. Exactly. And I, this reminds me of a, a coaching question that is often used where you ask, what would you advise your best friend in the same situation? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what would you advise a facilitator in this, your best friend, the facilitator in this situation? And suddenly you get out of yourself and you're much more courageous and much more yeah. creative because it's so much easier to solve other people's Others. problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. I like yeah. that. Somehow to me, the, 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 the acting tools, I started my whole training and coaching and facilitation business on the base of helping actors in the very beginning to develop their self-marketing strategies and uh, yeah find ways to <laughs> succeed with them and also was working with them on their roles and so on so I, I started as a coach for actors and sometimes I'm missing it because in one way it's really more easy on from the outside <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> to tell somebody, well, this is what, why are you taking that for you? Why are you taking it with your home? Why don't you give it as a opportunity to your role? That's more easy than to say, this is a part of you mm -hmm. and give it to this part of you and don't make it about the whole you, like you just said. It's more easy to say, yeah, it's a role anyway. It's Julia. In this yeah. other other situation, it's Anna. Nobody can, you know, the, the 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 story about me from the outside is this is Anna and not this is Julia. So, if I'm a facilitator or a mom or a friend or just walking on the street, it's always Anna. And to separate that and to understand that as a facilitator, I'm not Anna. I'm part of Anna. <laughs> and I'm having the resources of the whole Anna, but in that moment, I'm still not Anna. And that's like, like that's very, if, if that works, it's really absolutely similar to playing a role in, in, a, in, in, in a play or in a TV movie or whatever. Because also, I, I take the resources of the whole Anna, but mm -hmm. then I, I am the Julia and I am the Julia. If I'm playing the Julia, I'm not acting. 
that's the bad acting we were talking about. <laughs> it's when I'm pretending to be Julia, mm. not Julia, because acting tools are about using this body, my body, in exactly the way that produces that drama or a love moment or whatever happens in the script. And I have to use the whole body and the nerve system to, to make it real. And for that, I have to believe it. And for that, I have to be it. And that's a, a that's a, that's very, so if, if I go that far with acting, it's very similar to Anna, the facilitator. What I hear is, what I'm curious about is the authenticity piece. Mm -hmm. Because the, are you saying there's a difference between playing a role and acting as a role? And that the audience senses the difference and that's what bad acting is. And yeah. When I first heard you speaking, I thought, okay, if we're acting as facilitators, then it takes away our authenticity and hence it kind of destroys the trust from the group yeah. because we need to be authentic. But then when I hear you, how you explain what playing means, then Julia becomes part of you. So hence it is authentic. So how there, do you? There are no, there are no two same Julias. If you would play a Julia, she would be mm. so different to mine. I love to use Julia when I'm explaining things like that, mm. to use the Julia, because I've never played a Julia. I would have never played a Julia. And if a director would have, or director would have decided to take me as a Julia, it would have been the funniest thing ever, because <laughs> <laughs> it's not possible for me to get into play a role authentically which is not searching for the truth. My roles, and that's, you know, because in, the, in that, you know, what, what is the problem here now? How, how does that come again? My Julia would always say, how did that happen again? <laughs> you know, and it would be so different to the classical Julia and your kind of Julia. So there is no one Julia because there's only the Julias of all the actresses who played her and, With that in mind, maybe that helps a little more to understand what acting is, uh, good acting. Or maybe start the other way around. There had been a time where acting, as we often think about acting, was the way it was done. We were loudly pretending how Julia is. <laughs> and then showing everybody how Julia is and was and what she is about and so on. But this is not how we since a long time already, since Stanislavski started with that, I think 1890 or something like that. So a long time ago, when nobody else around, hey, the bioenergetic people were starting a little later already with thinking about, yeah, there, there's what is authenticity. And Freud at that time started to think about what is the human being and what is the mind and what is my feeling of me and so on. So it was the same time when Stanislavski and Moscow started to Ask him, how can we be more truthful on stage? And, and worked on techniques to, to achieve that. And that's already long ago. And since then, we developed these techniques. And they are all about reproducing a real moment. Thank you for elaborating that. What I just realized is, if I understand you correctly, back in the days, it was more like 
there is an expectation from the director and from the audience. And as an actor, I'm trying to fulfill this expectation. So I'm pretending and I mm -hmm. try to copy as much as possible. Whereas today it's about the interpretation of the role and the adaptation. So it's not about, and maybe it's then the trust that if my interpretation is authentic, then it will serve the audience, but I'm not trying to please the audience as a yeah, goal. Yeah, that's a complicated that sentence, I would say. <laughs> of course, I always want the audience to be pleased <laughs> in one way or the other. But still, I there's a conception in acting, which means I'm giving something. Mm. And if it's not working, it's not working. <laughs> but it's not... Good acting is really not about, in the first place, think about how somebody would, would, would take it or would see it or want it to be. Yeah. It's, of course, about what is my goal. Like, if it's a comedy, don't play a tragedy. <laughs> of course, there's a you know perception thing in it still, but it's, a, it's both. It's my interpretation, which, if it's surprising, it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> and still I have to touch the part of the ex no the expecta expectations like I am in a comedy or I am in a tragedy and on top of that sometimes I'm I can deliver that better by not giving it like if somebody is expecting a comedy and I'm giving it deepness of the feelings of the tragedy in it or whatever yeah of the love, the great love I'm in, then it's really funny. So it's, and maybe that's it, that it's about moving something in the audience. You said it's, you want yeah. to surprise them. You want to move them, the showing them the love, the, the big emotions. And you create this by, yeah, connecting to the audience, but not just delivering what they ordered. I think if you try to please You're less credible. Yeah. And there are actors who really make their whole career on not delivering. <laughs> yeah. Because we like, I think we, as humans, we connect better to authenticity to, as opposed to someone trying to be liked yeah. because we yeah. always feel like, Oh, what does this, what does this person want from me? Why are they doing that? So there's something that, makes us uncomfortable whereas if yeah. someone is truly authentic and delivers great emotions we, we like get intrigued <laughs> we like them we get sucked in exactly exactly and and the big misconception about acting is really that basically acting is about about playing and acting is about acting i said mm. right? to to act to act for somebody something act for somebody as if for, yeah and uh Yeah, to do something mm. and not, you know, to, to do something purposeful. That's acting. Yeah. Uh, to achieve something and not playing, not pretending, not pretending to be something or someone. Yeah. Do something. It's about really doing it while you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, doing it while you're doing it. And that's, yeah, that's what facilitators do. Yeah. <laughs> doing exactly. it while you're doing it um, and thinking on your feet and not trying to be liked. Yeah. And 
having the courage to have an idea and explore how to deliver that idea. And then maybe that's coming back to this, what is the difference for me? If I'm allowed to, I know what I should deliver. Like, you know, I know this is a comedy. I know this is a training about storytelling, whatever. If they, if I have the space in that to explore how I can make these people being there right now, how can I help them to develop their own story or the yeah. story that fits the best to their goal? Then I love it. Then and that's facilitation. Mm. And even if they write training above it, <laughs> it's facilitation. And the other way around, if they, they write facilitation above it and they want me to do things in a certain way, then it's training. Yeah. Mm. And how do you use now the acting tools in your yeah. training that you deliver for non-actors? <laughs> Last week, I have a situation where I, I will help scientists, female scientists, to communicate more successfully in their situations, which are mostly that they are the only females in the room. Uh, it's the physics and quantum physics and IT stuff. The, the, the subject is how to dominate a room if you're the only one, or maybe only two, and the others are more. <laughs> how can you still be seen and still deliver your story and what, whatever you can bring to the table? And for that, the room is really important. So where you're standing, or if you're clutching together, the two of you, or if you're, you know, Mm. At other uh, different places in the room, of course, the feeling is let's stay together, but not doing it and giving the other the feeling, the others the feeling there are more than one people around because I have mm. to look right and left to hear them. <laughs> That gives an individual the feeling of there are people around me and not one idea, which I can overhear, of course. And so I had this idea of doing this old... Um, Acting exercise, like you're on a plate, the room is on a plate, and when you all go to the left, the room fall down, and if you all go to the right, and the room fall down to the other side. So you have to balance the room with yourself. So that's mm -hmm. how you really can feel the room. Where am I? Where are the others? Even if I don't look at them and so on. And then I thought about, yeah, that's a great idea. I'll bring music in it. Mm. <laughs> and first slowly and then jumpy yeah. so let's see if that works uh, i'm really excited about this idea because of course they're scientists and this would be hard work and risky for me to try out that but there i think there are no other ways to experience myself in communication than trying it out and mm -hmm. out in the room and for example for that moment i love to be in in real somewhere again mm. because this is nothing i can experience digitally or other exercises like knowing when somebody stands behind you this is such a strong feeling to to handle this feeling of the one is already behind me and you know it's only a few seconds that one can't stand behind. You know, that's another exercise, sorry, that you sit there and the other one is in the back of you far away and walk slowly and with no noise to the back of you. And you have to sense when the one is standing behind you. This is an experience, you know, to handle this excitement inside of yourself and really get to this. It feels strange, but 
the other person's not yet there. <laughs> and to, to hold that, is, you just have to experience to find out how it is. And then to be able to do that again in other awkward situations, knowing this is not a good feeling, but I can handle it because the other one is not so near and I can maybe pose mm. myself somewhere else. And what can I else can I do? And, you know, stay with a clear head in those situations. You have to live it before yeah. you can yeah, and, and I can, it. yeah. And I think it's also something instinctive. It doesn't feel safe if someone stands behind you, especially if they're coming closer and you cannot protect yourself and turn around. What is it that you teach then the group through this exercise? This is really about handling dominance in this case. Mm. And not only, you know, thinking, oh, I would have been good if I would have stand up there. No, learn to do it when it's necessary, however you do it. That's really interesting about domination because domination is a game. Mm. And uh, this is a game. This is not acting. <laughs> and to understand domination is a game and I can play it and what the rules are and that I have to play it. Otherwise, they play me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see how that will work next week. But normally, <laughs> and this is quite new what I told you, normally I bring acting into all the stuff which has to do with self-management. Mm -hmm. Of course, domination and the game of domination is also, a part of that is also self-management. But for example, if you're in an exciting situation and, and you want to stay more calm, there are really a lot of good acting techniques which might help you even in that situation if you could not prepare them, but especially if you can prepare them. So like if you know you're going to go to, you're having a situation in facilitate, you want to facilitate something you've not done before, never done before, <laughs> and you're really, really excited, it might be helpful to work on, on an action. An action is a, a body anchor combined with a sentence, which uses a technique uh, from Stella Adler, which had been an Uh, acting coach with a special technique, or you can either you call it obstacles. It's, it's kind of the same and different uh, uh, for different coaches and mm -hmm. histories of them. It's like you, 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 you're inventing a big movement connected to a sentence, which helps you out in the situation. For example, uh, I don't have an idea of a facilitation situation, but for example, if I know I have to go to court, And I know this is going to be really frightening and we'll be really, I'll be really in trouble if I will not be cool and calm and the situation is not cool and calm and I'm afraid. So what to do that you could use those body anchors called actions by maybe inventing the sentence. Uh, I'm here because I'm giving the subject to a higher, how do you say that then? Instant, 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 instant. Um, and uh, for that, you can, you know, if you have, I'm here because I'm giving the subject to a higher instant that has a lot to do with trust. Okay, of course, if I'm purpose, it. yeah, and you can, you then you use, I have to show, but nobody can see it on the podcast. There's a, there's a video on YouTube, okay, so you can so, show. Um, <laughs> good, I'll do that. Then you, you really in, uh, invent a big movement like. 
I'm taking this subject and you really do it big and a big movement. I'm taking this subject and bringing it to a higher instance. And you lift your arms you lift as if you're arms. lifting something big. Things, and then I'm lifting the big thing and I'm using my legs too. I'm losing, using the whole body. Of course, in front of the front of the cord, you're not doing that. You're doing it to fix the sentence in your body. Mm. and you're grabbing you know the subject and you do it again and again and if it fits good with you you feel you can feel it it's like a manifestation yeah and then you start to make the movement smaller like only in the beginning i'm taking it and bringing it to the high now only in front of your breast somehow you grab it a little in front of your belly and then you bring it to the higher instant And in the end, it might be only be a hand gesture. Mm. And it doesn't have to be a big one. It can also be a little one. And nobody will realize no, that it's in your mind. Nobody will realize. The be most beautiful thing I've ever seen with somebody I did that was a stage fright too for in front of, before a big, um, how you say, examination. Exactly. And he was so frightened. And in the end, and I saw the examination, he was putting everything in his eye and in a blink of his eye. He was really, when he felt it coming, he made, he just blinked slowly. And in this slowly blinking with his eye, everything was manifested. And this anchor in the body anchor was so connected to the feeling and the sentence that you could immediately see that he could breathe deeply. It was so beautiful because such a small movement, movement, only the blink of his eyes. That's such a good tool. And I think for facilitators who, yes, might be courageous in front of the group or stand up to speak out and challenge a group or a client, this yeah. is very, yes. And even the exercise you mentioned before about the dominance, I think for facilitators to sense and feel yeah. the impact of where they stand with a group, without a group, in front or in the back of a group. To feel it. To feel it and the impact it has. What's the impact of me standing behind a desk, the group sitting behind desks or sitting in a circle without desks? Yeah. Me yeah. standing in front of them in the middle or in the back? And also, if you really go with the idea of the floor of the room, is you have to balance it, and the whole group is on one side and you're on the other, mm. how much weight you have to bring to the room? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> For example. Yeah, and that's where they were, this was, uh, this acting thing, is, this action thing, technique is one thing, this handle the room and learn to be present, to learn to how the, your voice is, some kind of bringing you and what you bring with you into the whole room. And that's why you really can put your voice in the room. The room can echo your voice and then what you bring to the room and to the situation. You can work with your voice in the room. That's another way to, to train what you could train, which could help. And then there's one thing I'm not so good at yet. <laughs> I'm still working on having an acting coach I really, really admire, Dominique Schiut, and she's working on the Chekhov uh, technique. And I'm still, you know, trying to get it in. It's not where I'm coming from, basically, but I love it because it's so impactful and it's so um, 
it's working and using your resources. So whatever, everything you bring with you anyway, but it can go beyond that because it's so basically how our body functions <laughs> and our, how our um, nervous system functions, like they're different. They, they decided to have different types of energetic people, like the floating and the molding character and the staccato. I'm often a, st a staccato, for example, naturally. <laughs> and, um, Oh, I just have those twos on mind right now, but is <laughs> the the maybe that's their mine. That's why I'm mm -hmm. so clear with the staccato and the molder. What are the others? A floating, flying, floating is five or six. And to know about that, what you bring with you, and to learn to sense what the others are, can really help you to communicate. So if you're If you're a flying person, a flying person is somewhere else all the time. I'm some, I can be there too sometimes. But if you're talking to somebody like that and you're a staccato, talking, really meaning it, we want them to listen now. Mm -hmm. And there's somebody trying to really explain what's happening and can't really, and you're trying to explain what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, it's not working. And the other one is not in the situation to handle it, but you are. So you can, as a facilitator, to see it, you can ask to get more grounded before you do anything else. You can maybe try what reaches that one, with, you know, maybe using more floating gestures and tones or molder, which is this, you know, creating things. And you can, and as soon as I say molder, my hands are starting to modulate the air. Which <laughs> is, model, yes. There's nothing mm -hmm. in the air. And maybe that helps or it doesn't help. And it's more the, uh, I have to be like water. <laughs> that can really, really help you to understand somebody and maybe also to help people out of situations. And I find this interesting. And I wonder how you identify. Is it just through the pitch and how they speak? Or is it how they communicate, the words they use to communicate the language? Is it's it those who gestures, blabber more? It's the gestures, it's the words, it's the energy in the, in the speech. Mm -hmm. It's the tone. It's the body language. So if you start to learn those types, Characters, it's called. Uh, you just do it about the body language. No sound at all in the beginning. It's only body in the very beginning. Like, you know, floating, flying. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping around, being in the air the whole time. And staccato is uh, more energetic, walking. More determined, more maybe. Yeah. yeah, exactly. More determined. I'm just thinking of another recent podcast episode I had with um, Tom Goldhand and he's a dance teacher mm -hmm. and he does check-ins with a group where everyone says their own name and the name of the person next to them. And he uses this check-in just not for everyone to learn their name specifically, but to get a sense of the energy in the room. So depending on how fast... Yeah the circle goes and how people would pronounce their name, how loud their voices are, how their body 
posture is. He knows mm-hmm. exactly what the energy level of the group is. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that combining it, what you just said, even a simple check in, say your name and where you're calling in from. And you show me maybe how you're feeling right exactly. now. Is. Like, yeah. And if you know those characters, you could really use them. Oh, yeah. I'm just this way. And no, exactly. I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. My name yeah. is Tom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think because uh, modern acting tools are developed to give you the opportunity to use your body in the way it's helpful for what you should deliver or you want to deliver. And again and again, like if you're filming, you have to do it again and again. It's never the same. It can't be. You're, you're, we are not able to do something exactly the same, the whole, not twice. Not to talk about 40 times, <laughs> but not twice. So still you have to have a direction. Otherwise you can't cut, you can edit it in the end. Yeah. You have to have, you know, similarities. And to be able to do that, you have to really be able to find the trigger in your nervous system, which deliver what you need at that moment, mm. even though it's not 100%, it's quite the same. Yeah. And only that with, with whatever technique you use, because they are quite a lot, really interesting ones too. All the techniques are helping you to be able to find out your triggers you know to where you're dimmer for which emotion and which energy is what do you mean by trigger because when i hear trigger i think of emotional triggers so you say something that maybe triggers my inner child or triggers me becoming defensive or my insecurities exactly. Is this what you mean? Yeah, but I mean it more like a dimmer. Okay. <laughs> so how do you so how do you react then? What is an acting tool to for help example, me not to act on triggers? For example, uh, those actions mm-hmm. which I showed before. If I yeah. know it's going to come, mm-hmm. it's that. And if I train the the characters we were talking, if I if I'm trained in them. I can use them, for example, when, by checking in with myself and hearing my voice and hearing me talking really clear because I'm in charge now. <laughs> and I could just, you know, know, okay, this is not relaxed. This is Dakato. So what is there? And how can I change my body and my posture, for example, to, you know, regulate? This energy, I can't get rid of the energy. This is, it's there. It's, mm-hmm. it's biochemical energy. It's not gone. It's, you know, cholesterol is, is in your body. Uh, if you don't feed it <laughs> for 20 minutes before it's all gone. So it's, you can't, uh, you can't say it's not there. It is there, but you can try to give it another way to be seen. Like if, mm-hmm. if something happens, which triggers your, in a child and it feels uh, unsafe and insecure. And that's why another part of you starts to fight <laughs> and talking like this and explaining the people where they are and what's going to happen now. <laughs> and you yourself are recognizing it like, Oh, wow, what's happening here. And you know, it has to do with the posture. The first thing would be, where can I get loose? Maybe 
finding out what your breath is right doing right now. What's your belly doing? That's the most important part of your body to regulate yourself. It's the muscles of your belly. And to be able to get them hold on and loose. Mm -hmm. And then if you train, the, for example, the characters, you could just start to be more flirtive. And then the, the, the cortisol is still there. So you still have the whole energy and maybe will be a little more, you know, energetic as floating in the very beginning. But as you're floating, instead of being a staccato, mm. you regulate yourself down, not immediately, but in the end. And if you're trained in that, it gets faster and faster. <laughs> you can click by that because in the end, those techniques are made for actors and an actor might be in a situation where it comes out of a scene where he or she just fought somebody and was really pissed and runs out of the door and, you know, make the door really slam. And the slamming the door makes even more energy in the body. And then he has to run, run around the uh, stage in the back and on the other side coming in next day, being charming and nice and maybe in love. An actor has to be able to do that. And it's possible if you're able to change the gestures, your body, your, you know, it's, it's still the same cortisol pigle in yourself. Yeah. It's the same amount of cortisol in you, but it's by running around, it's, you, you can't get rid of all the cortisol you just pushed in yourself. You get rid of your adrenaline and noradrenaline because this is gone by speaking <laughs> in minutes, really only a few, but the cortisol is still there. So what to do? You, you can use it. It's, it's all about interpretation. And you can use your body to interpret the amount of cortisol you're having. And you know this, I love that one, the, uh, the bridge experiment yeah. about uh, there had been, had been it's, I love this experiment. It's about how we change our perception of what happens with us. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a beautiful girl or a beautiful guy in front of a, a hanging bridge. Everybody who's on a hanging bridge raises his heartbeats. It's stressful. Cortisol is rising. There's no other way. You're looking down. Unstable. You, you just get in trouble. And then when they came out of, from the, down the bridge, there was this, still this beautiful guy or girl and asked them, well, we did a little experiment. We're doing a little experiment here. Could you just sign out this don't know, query about high being or a high point or something like that? And um, it wasn't about that. It was only about then they gave them their business card. And if you have a question, you can call us. Mm -hmm. And they did the same on a normal bridge. And I think it was something like nearly 80% difference of people calling for a coffee on the hanging bridge because this excitement in them, they just misinterpreted it. And I'm excited and there's this beautiful person. So they had the impression that it was a flirty were, situation. Yes, exactly. And it was, I don't know the numbers 100%, so don't uh, fix me on that, but it was really a, a big difference between a stable stone bridge or a hanging bridge. Interesting. And this is really, this is the important part about why it's possible, you know, to run door slapping 
out of the stage on one side, on the left side, then run behind there, having maybe somebody doing something to your hair, giving you something else to dress. You know, you're really in trouble out there. I, I had so many moments when they ripped the whip, ripped the whip out of from my head and put something else on my head and, you know, get loose off my skirt and put on another one and then running in the other door and being in love. Yeah. And that's just possible by interpretation. And you use your body to, to help to in believing it. Yeah. Because you have to believe it. Otherwise it's playing, not acting. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yeah, to have these little clues for ourselves and to, to learn these actions, as you call yeah. them. I think that's helpful. And also with the, with the hanging bridge experiment, I think it's so useful. It's a sort of priming. So if, yeah. we're, if we're putting our participants in a certain stage, maybe we're doing something yeah, embodied or exciting, we're putting them in a certain emotional state, then what we are asking them or what we're presenting them afterwards, the interpretation of it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, will be... Is dependent on uh, what we did on the actions we did before mm -hmm. in the emotional state, so that's very important to be aware of. Thank you. Yeah, and if you find know where those points are in you, because of course we are reacting on the same things again and again. So yeah. after a little time, you know what you react on, and you you know maybe in the end you know exactly what other posture you have to take like running around the stage, you know, taking the next door and being yeah. in love instead of being pissed. Yeah. Same energy in the body. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. That's why I love using sometimes the, and I learned that from one of our facilitators, using the breakout rooms just to, even in an online meeting, just to change the space. Yeah. So, yeah, leaving the space, walking out of the door to going from rage to love. So even a small kind of trigger might change the entire energy in the space, although it's actually not real because you haven't moved. <laughs> but it's changing. And yeah. it's uh, it's also changing because you're meeting somebody else or you're seeing yeah. something else yeah. and that is doing something to you. Oh, it even works if you move the entire group to one other breakout room. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny enough. <laughs> okay, let's discuss yeah. this in another room. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Just because they're like, oh, pop, pop, plop, plop, pop, yeah. pop, pop, pop. Yeah, There's something pictures. happens. Where am I? Welcome. Love it. Yeah. It, it, it feels weird, but it, it works somehow. It does yeah. something to our brain. It absolutely be... works. It absolutely yeah. works. Yeah. What is one of your facilitation challenges? <laughs> or your biggest one? The biggest one until now was really to understand how important time boxing is. Because when I'm improvising, you know, finding out what works, what's where is our way, then um, it's in another state than when I'm time boxing. And there are a few things which are only working with a clear and concrete and not lose time boxing. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing facilitation, like, you know, sending out, bringing back, like having the time in, in mind. And this is hard. 
because <laughs> if I'm improvisation, doing, you know, finding out what they need right now, I'm mm -hmm. really often just in that moment and not having not the time in my mind anymore. And yeah, still learning. Yeah. Yeah, being, yeah, time passes so quickly when we're having fun. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And if, if you get into something, it's yeah. with me, it's that way. If I'm really in it and still having the time boxing in mind and the whole thing and yeah, the arc yeah the arc and and still the 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 idea where i am on my time schedule planning and you know of course when i'm improving what's going on where we're going i'm having this in mind but when i'm start working i'm often losing it yeah that's and my I biggest challenge right now <laughs> It's a good one because I think it's um, this balance between sensing what it is that the group needs mm -hmm. and holding the space for whatever emerges. And this is usually where the magic is. Right? Yeah. So you sense that, okay, I'm improvising, I'm going off script, something is emerging. This is, there's something here. We cannot just move to the next activity, but then in your mind, you basically have to throw away the entire agenda, think, okay, how, how do I still get them to the space where I need to go with maybe less activities Yeah, to hold exactly. the space for the emergence? And while you're with them, yeah, really with them and not pretending. Yeah, presence. <laughs> yeah, this still is listening. Really, yeah. This yeah. is really challenging to me. Yes. And that's where, yeah, the listening and the presence comes in. And then just moving into improvising state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what makes a workshop fail? Oh, this is a good one. If I'm not able to gain enough trust in the very beginning to go my strange ways, sometimes it's about um, perception, you know, what they thought is going to happen and what's really happening. And sometimes it's about that I'm not really clear and who, to whom am I speaking. And then of course, that's the same. Then if I don't, I'm, not, I'm not clear about to whom I'm speaking, then of course their perception of what I'm going to deliver is not fitting. So it's expectation management, understanding yes. the group and their needs. Absolutely. And... I love the the trust part that you mentioned in the beginning because I, in combination with the weird things, air quotes, you're going to do with them, because I realized that, especially in the, the worst thing that can happen, I agree, is uh, if the someone in the group says, so why are we doing this? Kind mm -hmm. of questioning your process and questioning the activities and then bailing out and withdrawing and then for you that, lose the authority and for and, and for, for these reactions it's easier in trainings because in trainings i just know this is part of domination i just do what's necessary you know if it's a nice one i'm helping if it's not a nice one i'm really quick in putting them to their place But it's not working in facilitation. It's not the same way. Yeah. 
like in training, I can just, you know, very easily show somebody who's the boss with being really kind, sweet, and still clear and concrete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in facilitation, the same thing would not work. Yes. Fascinating. How would you, if, if you're being your best self, how do you <laughs> react in this moment? Yeah, I'm just thinking about the worst situation I ever had in training and try to put that in a facilitation situation. And I think I would, I hope I would be so bold, bold enough to uh, just be very vulnerable and ask if we are both right together. Mm. Maybe. Because I just really had one guy in mind, which I really, at that time when I did the training, was it was so easy because he really ran into my knife in a way because he... <laughs> He handled it the whole time. He he never he wanted to me to run into the knife. It was an acting context mm-hmm. where it's quite had been. I think still is, but I'm not in it anymore. Quite uh, messy in you know when they fight, they fight in a really awful messy way, and it's all really emotional, and everybody is you know handling emotional knives. Mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's getting personal you mean absolutely the- even though they're they should know better because they're doing plays about it they they live through all those kind of complication and problematic relation stories and so on they lived it all and still in real life they can't see it mm. it's really strange they are like sometimes i think in all really Somebody my age having such an experience as an actor and then handling a situation like a, like a little boy, you know, being vulnerable and making in a, in a bad way himself vulnerable, you know, like insisting on things and uh, being the victim, being the victim exactly the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so this guy at that part wanted to make me the victim from the very beginning. And so that's why I just, you know, I could just do energetic Aikido and then (laughs) (laughs) with a little knowing about dominance and so on. And this would not work in facilitation. What did you do precisely when you say energetic Aikido? Oh, let's talk. Because I know what I'm talking about and he doesn't. Mm. So, oh, yes, good idea. Come over. Could you sit here? No. (laughs) (laughs) Doing all the teacher stuff, you know? Yeah. And why would you, because this reaction, oh, yes, come here, sit next to me. Let's facilitate together. Because I'm showing him, everybody would see that he's an asshole. Mm -hmm. And maybe the reason why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's not good for facilitation. And if he's acting as an asshole, why isn't it? That's why I meant. I would say, that's why I meant. Mm -hmm. Maybe then this is saying, this is an asshole move. Mm -hmm. It's different than making him, everybody see what an asshole he is. Mm. Me making myself vulnerable and by saying, whew, yeah. kind of asshole move what you're doing. How can we get out of there? This never happened to me, but if, <laughs> I, I hope I would be as bold to really be able to gen- then really put them in that place. Way. Instead of, you know, showing everybody what an asshole he is. Because, you know, not naming it, but showing it, yeah. that's the domination play. And interestingly, 
I, in a recent podcast interview, my guest, and I don't remember who it was, mentioned a sim very similar situation in a facilitation context ah. where he basically did exactly that. So the, the person, the participant acted like a total, total dick and he called him out and said, okay, if you know everything better, okay, you know what, how would you have done it? Come over here and explain how would you have done it? And thereby the participant had to totally drop the knife and hand over the power back to the facilitator. Exactly. And But this was in a facilitation. Power. And what I find, and I wonder whether this is a gender issue, whether as women, maybe, oh, I'm a facilitator. I need to be this kind of ah. kind host holding the space. Whereas men might be more direct and more confident saying, yes, I'm here to hold the space. And if someone is attacking the space and putting the group in danger, it's my role to put them back into place. And if this means humiliating them in front of, or helping them to humiliate themselves. This way I like it better. <laughs> <laughs> Because basically if you're inviting him to, to assist and to share his apparent knowledge and he says no you're giving them the stage to humiliate themselves yeah if if i would ask them how would you go on and the one would say no you're right so maybe if i'm if my goal is to if my goal in that moment is to protect the safe space i probably would have to put them in place yeah and i would do it exactly that way like oh good idea come over let's do it here and i would bring him in the front but you can really do that you know you can can go far with domination yeah and that's you have really to look where the line is because there's that is on one hand protective for everybody and on the other hand then everybody knows it's not fun to play with you so it's it's a mm. thin ice <laughs> yeah. i think you, it really depends on the situation on the group and on you who you are and how you do it Because yeah. any kind of domination has an effect. Of course, you have to handle domination always. You can't just, you know, hope it's going. No, it's not, never going away by not being addressed. Yeah. You have to address this in one way or the other. Yeah, it's, it's, it depends. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm still, I know what you mean. And if it's uh, there, there might be a situation where it's really good to do it in facilitation yeah. too to protect the situation, the room, the group. But if you do it, you just have to know that's changing the way the people see you. Yes. And, and that's probably the problem because it's a maybe then it becomes the gender topic. Yeah. Not maybe before all. that, but then. Yeah, it might. And then I'm thinking back about the actions and, and maybe the, our roles we are playing. So, As a woman, then if our pitch gets higher and we become maybe yeah. too defensive, then it can flip very quickly. So it's really, really important. If we're, so if we're playing the dominance game, how can we keep ourselves grounded? You have to. Yeah. You have to do that. Yeah. Part of dominance is being grounded, being big. Um, really. How? Starting with making yourself bodily Making your body big, yeah. using space, yeah. you know, 
putting shares beside so that yeah. everybody can see you. Yeah. And, you know, making big, slow movements, mm. talking deep. Slower. Slower. Yeah. Making a lot of points all the time. Also with your voice. Don't let people talk in your speech. And of course, not trying to reach out with your energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. All. yeah. And it ha if ha that's a game, that's the game then. Yeah. And the game is fun, to be honest. It's a if real fun game. And this goes now full circle to where we started. <laughs> it is a fun game if you can play the role. Yeah. If you are the facilitator role and you don't make it about yourself. Absolutely. You are so right. Now I got it. Yeah, mm. absolutely. If it's not Anna, yeah. but Anna, the facilitator yeah. who got attacked. If yeah. it's Anna, the facilitator, I can play. Yeah. But, and yeah, but maybe that is something it's anyway nice to learn for the whole Anna. I trained it for a long time to, to really know that it's a fun game. Mm. Every it happens. And I really watched a lot of guys who were really well on that and tried to learn by watching. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> That's something in an in, in acting school, you're often got sent out to coffee shops to hang around and watch people mm. and to try to understand by watching how they are and what they bring with them and the story. And on why do you think, The story and so and so on, you know, what in the movement makes you think that this story or that story? And you have to really write down everything. And there's one exercise, for example. And, and that's something you can really use a lot if you see somebody doing something you really would love to do yourself, like being mm. really calm and confident when somebody attacks you. <laughs> Just take yourself somebody around who's really good in that and then try to find out how he or she is doing it. And they are always mm -hmm. doing it with their bodies. So the body is really the main key in acting and you handling your own nervous system. Mm. Your body as your co-facilitator. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So round. Yeah. <laughs> We really built this kind of arc. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Anna. It was really great. I learned a lot. Thank you, Miriam. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for staying tuned and for listening to the show. I know how busy you are, and I appreciate that you're sharing your two most valuable resources with me and my guest, your time and your attention. If you're looking for more conversation with other facilitators and for a community of practice, why don't you join Never Done Before, the community that I have built and many of my podcast guests are already members. Visit neverdonebefore.org and I wish to see you there.